0: This it's on your bulletin today. And this is using this word Hesed, okay? Unfailing love is how this translator did it. Let the morning bring me word of your Hesed. Let the morning bring me word of your Hesed, your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Can you amen that? Isn't that beautiful? And when you entrust your life to the Lord. Alma, he grabs you, and he never lets go. You may feel like he's letting go, Judy, but he's not. He grabs you, and he never lets go. There we have it again. That's chesed, loyal love. It's a love that's filled with loyalty. It's a love where I've got Sandy's back, okay? That means that I'm looking out for her even when she doesn't know it. I've got her back. I've got her front. I've got her top. I've got her bottom Unlike God, though, I'm within it, right? He says he, God's even inside of us. He's got us all over, okay? And he never lets go. It's, com- it's translated compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. And then in Exodus 34, 6, uh, uh, this is where I got all these words from Exodus 34, 6. And that fourth one, loyal love, is what we're going to talk about today. And as I wrote the sermon, I thought of Jesus never fails, never, never fails. I'm glad, so glad Jesus never fails. Do you remember that, Doreen, when we would sing? I don't know if you did, but when I first came to the Lord and I was in college, we would go, Jesus never fails, never, never fails. I'm glad, so glad Jesus never fails. Anybody ever sing that? Really? It it sounds a lot like Row, Row, Row Your Boat. I think they got Row, Row, Row Your Boat from that song. But you sing it with kids, and you sing it in a round, and it's absolutely fun. So Jesus never fails. Hesed is love that will never fail. It just won't give up. It's Like a stubborn old dog. I saw a dog the other day. I'm not going to say whose. It was someone in this, in, this, uh, in this congregation, and that dog had a hold of another dog's ear, and Mac had a hold of a rope, and he was pulling on that dog, and that dog would not let go, all right? Literally, Mac pulled on that rope, didn't you, Mac? And the dog went up in the air, but it wouldn't let go of the other dog's ear. I don't think that was love that never lets go, but that, it's a good picture of God's love that never lets go. He pulled that dog off the ground, and I looked at him, and he looked at me. and I thought, wow, this is kind of amazing. And you saw it, too. <clears throat> didn't you, Aaron? I think Aaron saw it. Anyway, so much about dogs. We have three wonderful examples we're going to look at this morning we talked in detail. If you missed Wednesday night, you missed a great message. Amen. Not cuz I gave it, but it was great because we read the whole first chapter of the book of Ruth. We all have heard the book of Ruth and we think what is it about the story of Ruth that's it's all this love. It's there. I'm going to actually use this Diana and your sweet son Sam's marriage on January the 1st. It's a love that's a hesed kind of a love. It's so wonderful. The story goes that here was this lady, Naomi, and she went with her husband, Elimelech. And they went down to the land of Moab, and they had two sons. And when she got there, Elimelech died. Here was this foreigner, this Jew living in Moab. Her husband died, and her two sons married Moabite women. One was named Ruth, and the other was named, anybody know? No, no. I can't remember right now. I'm sorry. Orpah. 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 Yeah. So I said, does anybody know? I couldn't remember. Orpah. Yeah, that's where Oprah got her name, but they spelled it wrong. So it's, it's, it's a true story. So it's Orpah and Ruth were these daughter-in-laws. They were Jews. I mean, they were Moabites living there with this Jewish woman. Their husbands die. So here Naomi is a broken widow. She has lost her husband. She has lost her sons. And, she's, and she's, she's out of cards, not just out of aces. She has nothing. She's this broke woman living there in a foreign land. There is really no hope for her. And she begs her daughter-in-law. She says, ladies, girls, I love y'all, but it's time for you to go back to your own people. I can't take care of you. I don't have anything. And they cried, and then they end up crying again together. And I think that's where the text comes up today. The second time they cry. So what happens was the daughter-in-laws, that's the Dills, moved back home, and Orpah finally decided, well, I guess I'm going to go back. But Ruth says, I'm not leaving. I've got a hold of you, Naomi, and I ain't letting go. And it's a picture of God's love for us. Let's read. And they lifted up their voice. This is Ruth chapter 1, verse 14. And they lifted up their voice, and they wept again. they have been doing a lot of crime. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. That means she said, goodbye, kissed her and said goodbye. But what does it say Ruth did? Ruth clave to her. Clave is an old English word for it said stuck to her. Ruth stuck to Naomi, okay? And she said, behold, this is Naomi talking, hey, your sister-in-law, Orpah, she's gone back to her people, to her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Go on and go with her. And look what Ruth said. I entreat she says, entreat me not to leave thee. She says, stop asking me to leave you or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. She says, I'm leaving here because I've seen everything in you, Naomi, that is what I want. And I'm leaving from the place that I know, going to something that I don't know, because I know the God that you know is there. Amen. And I want to do, have something to do with him. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts thee and me. Lord, thank you for this picture in your word. Lord, thank you that we see this love that Ruth has for this helpless, hopeless Naomi Lord, who changes her name to Mara, which is bitter, Lord, thinking you had forgotten her. And yet through her, even we that sit here today are blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. So Ruth's hesed was not conditional. It wasn't because Naomi uh, deserved it. It wasn't because uh, Naomi had done something that required it. Okay. It was because this compassion was part of Ruth's character. Don't you see? And hesed is just part of the character of God. It's part of who he is because he's God. And he loves us in a way like Ruth loved Naomi, where he loves us and he never lets go. And when Naomi saw that she, Ruth, was steadfastly minded, and that means she was hard and not going to change her mind, all right? To go with her, then she left speaking unto her, and they two went to Bethlehem. And it came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, All the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? Is Naomi back? And Naomi told them, she said, my name isn't Naomi anymore. I'm Mara. I'm bitter. God killed my husband. God's killed my children. What she didn't realize is God brought Ruth with her. God used Naomi to bring Ruth. And Ruth was the great grandmother of King David. How's that for the rest of the story? I saw a couple of mouths open up. God's working his purposes out, even though when we don't know what's going on. And Ruth was obedient. She was obedient, and she thought, I'm not going to turn this lady loose. God's put this kind of love in me that won't go away, and I'm not going to turn my back on her. And he honored her, and he went, and so from David comes Jesus. So Ruth has blessed us even today by bringing, being part of the vehicle, a foreign woman, to bring the Messiah that saved each of us sitting here who have believed. Amen. Then we see hesed in a different way. I call this in the Get Real Bible Dictionary. If you get the Get Real Bible Dictionary, anybody got the Get Real Bible Dictionary? I think I'm going to write it. Maybe Dr. House needs to do it. And if you look up conceited, and you look up trickster, and you look up no good, and you look up uh, deceiver, guess whose picture's there, center page? Jacob. Jacob's there, center page, remember? We studied him as we looked at the patriarchs, didn't we? And we saw Jacob scheme first. He schemed. Remember, he he talked Esau out of his first right. Esau came in hungry from the field. He said, well, I'll give you a bowl of soup if you'll just give me your birthright. I'm so hungry now, it doesn't matter. Give me that. He schemed at him. Then he cooked something up with his mother, Rachel, remember? Put skins on his arms to pretend that he was Esau and went in and he stole what? He stole the blessing, remember? Remember? The blessing of the, of, the, of, of the firstborn. So he had gone through life cheating people and working things out in the flesh in his own way. But we saw Jacob come to the end of himself. And you know what? When we come to the end of ourselves, we get to see what God's going to do. When we're done with our scheming, we're done with our trickstering, we're done with our conniving, we're not done with our manipulating, we're free to see what God is going to do. And we read together where Jacob came to the river Jabbok, remember? And he was so scared, remember, as he sent all of his stuff away, he sent his wives away because Esau was chasing him with 400 people. What was Jacob left with on the other side of Jabbok? Anybody remember? What did the text, what did the Bible tell us? It said, and Jacob was left there with nothing. Hey, Nothing. He came to the end of himself, and then God could work in him, and God talked to him that night, and, and Jacob had a come-to-Jesus meeting, so to speak, and he confessed the things that he had done. He said, God, I'm nothing. You promised all these things to my grandfather, Abraham, and here I am. I have made a mess of things, and what does God make out of our messes? What can he make? Come on, Doreen. Messages, all right? And then I added to that, he can make magnificent masterpieces out of our messes. We think we've screwed it up so bad, and there's no way it's redemptive. And God can turn it around and make it beautiful. And God that night turned old scheming Jacob into Israel. And we use that word today, and that name's even in the news. Isn't that amazing? Amen. And look how he described that. He said, Lord, and I looked at this in the Hebrew this week, I am not worthy. And what word does Jacob use? of the of the chesed God that you've shown me. He said, God, I'm not worthy of the unfailing love that you've given me. I don't deserve it. God, he said, I'm not deserving of the unfailing love and undying mercy that you've shown me. I'm a rascal, I'm a cheat, I'm no good, but your goodness and your mercy had been without end. God's chesed was never about Jacob's merit or worth, was it? Why did God, why was he merciful to Jacob? Yeah, but he made a promise to Abraham. And let me tell you all something, God is a promise keeper. He made a, he made a promise to Abraham and he honored it through then elevating Jacob. So that's the second place that we see hesed in the Bible. The third scripture today has to do with Moses and his people. And I thought about this and I thought about hesed because there Jacob's lineage had gone down to remember 70 of them went to Egypt and they end up in slavery and we've been reading it in our men's group on Tuesdays and it just got worse and worse and poor old Joseph gets thrown in jail and then he's in Potiphar's house serving and then goes to jail and um, before all of anything happened any deliverance happened all this time goes by and God works it out where this guy this this little baby is saved, and he's saved in a little basket that's put in the Nile, and it's Moses, okay? And God calls Moses, and Moses goes down to Midian. He kills this Egyptian, took things into his own hands, took off, goes down to Midian, and there he encounters God in a burning bush. The text tells us that it was a bush that burned and burned, but it wasn't consumed. And so let's see how God describes himself in all of this, okay, and why he went down there. And he said, that's God talking, draw not hot nigh hither. Don't come close to me here, is what he's saying. Take off your shoes, Moses. Take them off of your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. We sing a great bluegrass song. That's why I put the bluegrass words in there for Doug. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said this, so God said, you know what, Moses, I've heard the affliction of my people. Moses never went and said, God, hear the affliction of your people. He said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up to a land, a good land that's flowing with milk and honey a place that now is indwelled by the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and yes, the termites. So I always have to add that in. Then we see the prophet Hosea, and Hosea is talking about chesed. And he says this, he kind of disses Israel. He says, you know what, Israel's chesed, and I think of this as ours, he said it's just like a dew that just disappears in the sun, but God's chesed is eternal. It's ha-olam, we say in Hebrew. It's forever and ever and ever. Hosea compared it. He said, it's like the morning mist. Israel's hesed disappears. God's loving kindness never disappears like dew in the morning sun, Hosea tells us. And then last two weeks ago, Scott led us in a beautiful song. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And if you look up Psalm 136, it says... His love endures forever. His hesit endures forever. We didn't even know we were singing that. You know, where we say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His unfailing, loyal, stick to it love never gives up. That's what that's saying. And then the Psalm repeats it 26 times. It says, if you go look, it says, he took us out of Egypt. His love endures forever. He helped us to cross the Red Sea. His love endures forever. And if you've ever been to a Jewish Uh, Passover meal, they recite this and they say it in a different way. They say, if all he had ever done was showed up to Egypt and just heard our cry, Dineu. Remember when we heard that? And that means it's enough. If all he had ever done is done the first miracle, Dineu, it was enough. Like kind of the enough already. If all he had ever done is got us to the Red Sea and we never got across, Dineu, it would have been enough. That is pretty amazing, isn't it? His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, y'all, for he is good. His love endures forever. And I told you last week, when you're in a hopeless situation or you feel hopeless, you have to just trust in the fact that God is good. And somehow we have to believe that Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good for those who love him and for those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. Hesed can also be translated as grace. Now, the real word for grace is Hannah, okay? But hesed can also mean grace. And the beautiful thing is, is that God's Hesed, His grace, is extended today, right now, this morning. Because why? His love endures forever. And we know that all have sinned. You say, well, and, th- and this really is the essence of the gospel. Well, what's the gospel, Pastor Faber? It's that all have sinned, and we know that. There's no, none righteous, no, not one, okay? We've all fallen short of the the marker, the standard that God would hope and have for each of us, right? We also know that there's a penalty that went with that, and that is eternal separation, okay? And that's where Paul says to the little church in Rome, he says he says that the wages, the cost, the price of sin is death. It's eternal death, all right? And then we see, as we talked about last week, we talked about hope having value and worth, that even while we were yet sinners, okay, I'll put here, even when we were in our lost and ignorant state, Jesus Christ, Messiah, died for each of us and extended love to us. That's Romans 5:8. Jesus was born. Jesus was put to death, and Jesus rose from the dead. That's the gospel. And what, is, what does Paul then tell Romans? How do you get saved? What does it mean to be saved? Here's the formula. It's not a big, long list, okay? But it's everything. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Guys, that's the gospel. That's it. You can't add church membership to it or being on the cradle roll or I got baptized or I took communion every, every month for my whole life. I was in the right kind of church. None of that matters. What does Paul say? He says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. And then the beauty of the gospel is echoed. Remember when Paul and Silas were stuck in the, in the jail, in, in the f- jail in Philippi, and I've been there in that jail. Some of y'all saw pictures of me holding on to the bars, and I was in that jail. Have you been to that jail, Scott? You're smiling. And, and an earthquake came. That Scott's been there, and, and that Karen's been there. Uh, and in that little bitty jail, remember, it looks about like a stall, like a stall. That, yeah, like a small closet, and Paul was in there, and what happened? In the night, uh, an earthquake came and, and broke the thing open, and the Philippian jailer was going to kill himself because that's what they would have done. They would have killed him for letting the prisoners go. And he comes, and he falls on him, his face. He says, what must I do to be saved? And what does Paul says? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. It's belief. It's still the grace that's extended. It's still the hesed that God extends to us even this morning. This is just amazing. He cried out, what must I do to be saved? And he called for a light. He ran in. This is Acts 16, 29 through 31. And he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved, you and your household. This act of salvation is going on this morning. God is saving even today. The gospel hasn't changed. You know what? People hadn't changed. Technology's changed, but people are people. We're the same broken people we were 2,000 years ago. And Jesus is in the deliverance business and in the fixing business. It was Pastor Michael that that introduced me to the concept. I just noticed that, yeah, the concept, uh, the Jewish concept of salvation being deliverance. And when you realize that Jesus is your deliverer, not just your Savior, that's a big deal. Because all of us need to be delivered from something of self. Amen. I know I did. And he's continuing to deliver me from me. You will have the Spirit of God deposited in you when you receive him. That's the first fruit we learned in Ephesians chapter 1 of becoming a new creation. And we will be recipients of the wonderful hessed of Almighty God. So before we enter into this time of Thanksgiving, some churches call Communion the Eucharist. Have any of y'all ever heard that? Okay, have y'all heard that? You know why they say that? Sounds like a real mystical word, doesn't it? It's just the Greek word for thanksgiving. Even today you say, is thank you when you go to Greece. Okay. And so we enter into this today together. The only qualifications are that you have done what it says there, that you've believed in your heart, Jesus is Lord, confessed. That, he, that God raised him from there. That's the qualification. You don't have to be a member of Union Grove or the Baptist Church or uh, sung in the choir. Or, yeah, if, he, if you fulfill those qualifications, you can participate. It's okay. He can raise his hand. I appreciate that. Yeah. What did he say? Any type of church. That's right. Paul didn't say, and you got to be a member of of the First United Self-Righteous Church. But praise God we're not in that one. Yeah. So anyway, that's what we're going to do. I said, the Lord's Supper, sing a little chorus with me that says it all. I want you to sing this with me. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, they are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, great is thy faithfulness, great is your hesed, O Lord, great is your hesed. amen? That's the word for today. So let's go into our time of thanksgiving and have the Eucharist together, the Lord's table. And uh, Pastor Michael, I'm going to ask you to come up, please. We're going to do this a little differently today. Yeah, Michael, just remove the cloth. And Michael is going to pray. Everybody today is going to come up and take the elements from the table. Take the elements from the table, and then after they're all seated, Michael, you'll You'll lead us in a prayer for the the wine and for the bread, okay? I'm singing today, so Michael's going to fill in for us and help us with that. Uh-oh, I can't find my pick. No, no, they're going to come up. Okay. <coughs> oh, there's my. That's okay. I don't. I don't need it anymore. Okay, Scott. We're ready for how deep the father's Line. Oh yeah, you're playing. I know, but you're gonna sing. Mm-hmm.